From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 124, and today I'm joined by Natalie Brown, an actress who you've seen on TV series like The Strain, Jack Ryan, Frankie Drank, and Ransom, as well as indie films like Crown and Anchor, and my film, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Some Like It Hot. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this movie quite a few times. No! That's okay. Oh, this is Billy not your Wilder. black hole. It doesn't need to be my black hole, as long as someone is a black hole. And this is Natalie. Hi. And this is her black hole. I have so many. That's okay. So, so, so what made you... You had a couple on the list, but we, we narrowed it on this. So what, made, what, what made this be a film that you've wanted to check out? Um, I sort of missed a lot of the classics growing up, maybe because we had one movie theater in Timmins, Ontario. And so it was like blockbusters were the only thing to come to like through town. And so I hadn't seen a lot of Maryland movies. I managed to see Seven Year Itch. Okay. But like a lot of it's, it's almost like I was part of this narrow window in high school too, that got rid of required reading of classics and stressed the creative student. So I've been reading like classics in my 30s, you know, like right. Beach Holiday was Catcher in the Rye hardcover <laughs> in my mid 30s. And so um, some like it hot. I thought, OK, this is a timely comedy at the time, but I'm really curious to see how something that is, you know, bending gender will hold up in the climate that we're living in now. Yeah, it's like 60 years later. So initially, it was like some Maryland homework, whereas now I'm curious how yeah. we look at and it's interesting. Gender. And I haven't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. And, here, and and I will say this, the Criterion just re-released it. Okay. So, and they're pretty on the curve. And one of the things I was, just, I didn't get a chance to have, you know, it comes, their discs always come with like essays and other supplement material. I didn't, I was going to try to read it before, but I didn't get a chance uh, but one of the things they advertised in like the the write up of it is how it it does hold up today. Oh, so I mean, if they're, they're going to re-release it, it's only because it must. They're claiming it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a, a couple things in there where like, oof, uh, as there just often are in, in movies of this age because it's just a different time. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting that because this conversation comes up a lot in the podcast, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. about like, do you judge a movie based on? Uh, where we live now, mm-hmm. or ha- or can you like put yourself back in the time and go? Oh, I see why they did this and whatnot. I mean, you can easily do that, but then you have to decide for yourself whether it's something that you want to subject yeah. yourself to now. Well, that's just it. And then yeah. you go, well, do we just dismiss it because it doesn't fit into today's standards, or we can can we appreciate it in its time that it came out mm-hmm. and learn from it and go, mm-hmm. oh, this stuff's great from it, and this stuff's not so much. So I, I'm curious because because I haven't really watched it under the guise of that. Yeah. Because it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. And we've never had a more acute lens to these oh. topics than we do right now. Yeah, 100%. So, I'm, so I'm really, really... So what do you know about the movie? Um, you know that it's... 
you uh, well, you do know that it's like a gender, not gender swap, but like there's a gender. Yeah, the, he is playing as she, and I'm guessing is able to. No, yeah, I don't know how Marilyn fits into this actually. Great. I so you no, don't know much about the story. I, I really don't know much about the story. Great, because it's I probably meant... not what you're thinking. Because okay. you, you, before we turned the mic on, you were referencing like, like Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Which is, and it's funny because Tootsie, I remember I got into like a, a, a Facebook fight with Ennis Esmer about Tootsie one oh, day. Because really? he was going on about how it's like, this movie does not hold up and is not. It's winning Tony's on Broadway. Well, it's also as cri- we speak. And Criterion, we released it a couple years ago. Oh. Uh, but it's interesting. Like, I still, uh, I think it's fine because it's of its time but I'll, i mean we, that's a different conversation about tootsie but i think there's a there's a lot of people that will def, still defend it in terms of that uh where it lands today but it's yeah i mean it's tough it's it's one of those things where you just have to make your own choices on how you feel about certain things mm-hmm. so but i think the setup for this is different than something like tootsie where uh, the circumstances aren't necessarily in their control. I'll say that. Okay. Without giving away too much. Okay. It's not like where Michael, the character of Michael and Tootsie is like deciding. He has an agenda. He's an agenda. He's, you know, because I think the argument that Ennis was making, some of the people were making is like, well, he's actively taking a job away from a woman mm. as a man. And it's like, yes, that's fair. Sure. That's, <laughs> I guess if that's your complaint, yes, the movie does have that. Yeah. And um, it's taking advantage of. A situation for his own gain. Yeah, but that's also, but also, you know, you can argue watching that Tootsie is that it's like, yeah, but he's also an asshole. Like, <laughs> the character's not a nice person. Right. And he learns from that. Like, he, that's the point, is he becomes a better man by being, having been a woman. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's the, the story. The redemption that we're looking for. And I think that you couldn't argue, you can't argue that that's a bad story to tell. And that it's like, does he make some terrible choices? Along the way. Yeah. And learns and he, from them. And he learns from them and pays for them. He doesn't come away scot-free from them. Right. You know, it's not like he gets rewarded for those things in the end when they're exposed. You know, they're they're bad choices that the movie knows are bad choices. The movie's aware. At least it's aware of itself. I, I think so, anyway. But this in, 50, in 1959. This is Now, this is like, you know, 30 or 40 years before that. Or 30 years before that. Yeah. So it's even further removed. It's it's 1959, but it's it's set in the 20s? I think, yeah, that sounds right. right. Yeah, it's set during, like, the Depression or the... Right. Like the uh, so they think they have perspective on the story they were telling and now layered with our perspective now and their perspective then. Fascinating. Over the perspective prior to them. Should be interesting. Yeah, and do you know the filmmaker that made this movie? <laughs> to Billy Wilder? Do you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, have you ever seen other Billy Wilder stuff? Like The Apartment? No, remember I said... I asked. Oh, yeah. that, that was another of my black holes. I said, oh. I love The Apartment. I, will, I mean, I've seen The Apartment so many times. It's one of my favorite films. Okay. So at some point, watch The Apartment mm-hmm. because it'll kind of blow your mind. Right after this. Right after this. We'll, we'll just launch right into yeah. it. Yeah. Fun. Was that the Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah. Cuckoo's Nest will That's, do at some point, too. Which you haven't yet. I've seen it. But, you, but not but we have not, not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. So. And with Ratchet coming out soon... We'll say, I'll save Cuckoo's Nest for you. We'll come back and do okay. it another day. And closer to when maybe Ratchet is going to yeah. going to premiere. Fun. All right. So let's just watch it then. I'm already eating popcorn. I'm That's so okay. Dude, we, I'm we so have proud. a giant... This is a daytime screening, which I don't often do, but we have a giant selection of snacks here that we're going to satiate ourselves A with. feast of healthy feast. snacks. All right. We'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. We just finished. Yeah. And you were apologizing for not being a proper feminist. No, having not necessarily been raised a feminist. 
Um, but once you kind of settle into like you know the the era, you know you and and, it, and it's in on its joke enough that it's like not offensive. I mean, the worst part about it was her patterns. <laughs> like, yeah, her male patterns were you know um, more disconcerting than any of like the inappropriate humor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting, like, because um, it is now 1959, so it's 60 or 70 years later. They probably thought they had perspective, because they, the setting was, you know, it was 30 years prior. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, it's a screwball comedy, yeah. you know? It's also it's that. It's a crime comedy. It's a the crime comedy. The first of its kind. <laughs> right? Well, it's funny, because it's such a, a trope now, the idea of, like, two people witness a murder, and then they're on the run. Yeah. Like, we've seen that movie... Like, that's Pineapple Express. That's, right. I mean, I could go down the line. There's, there's at least a half a dozen famous movies that are well known that, that, that stole that plot line, which I don't know if this originated, I, yeah. but it definitely was one of the biggest, most popular ones at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but let's... But tackled t- it in such a comedic way. But tackled it in such a... Well, I mean, it was always... It's usually done through comedy. It's usually like two idiots that get in over their heads seeing something that they shouldn't have seen... And now they're in... But with bullets. But with bullets. Like, you probably thought, like, it had some toughness that you weren't used to seeing. Like, like I said... Oh, this look, time. Oh, 100%. This, this time, yeah. You look at the trailer, and it's like, if you liked Scarface, which was years later, but maybe when they recut the trailer, if you liked Scarface, you like this. And if you like comedy, you haven't seen anything like it. Yeah. Well, that's the way they were just selling movies, yeah. too, right? It's yeah. interesting. Um, but in terms of... So let's, go, so let's go through the plot. I mean, this is obviously spoilers, but... Um, so, I had no idea. No, but we were talking about the I idea that... I knew the that, soundtrack more than I knew the movie. Yeah, well, and that's one of those things, too. So, so Marilyn, at this point, you were asking while we were watching at what point in her career in this, and it's like three years after this comes out, she's gone. Yeah. You know, so this is near the end of her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's already done Diamonds Are Forever and uh, all of those big movies. And this is probably the last big movie she does. That, well, The Misfits, the, the John Huston movie. I oh, think, I don't know The Misfits. And it was the very last one. And I'd seen documentaries where that was like her downward spiral where she wouldn't come out of the room and she had, you know, a lot more issues with well, things her are going fame on with and medication and, and Kennedy and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. But like difficult to work with. But in this case, I mean, I well, was... fuck, I think honestly, it's like, it's, 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 and if you look into her stories about her in the past, it's like that, I don't even, that, what that poor woman went through mm-hmm. and what she had to live through and put up with, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of unbearable, I'm sure. It's and and horrifying, especially that age in Hollywood and, you know. Oh, forcibly medicated and. Objectified nonstop, you yeah. know. And it's interesting, so you look at this movie and it's about two guys that, so it's not like Tootsie in that Tootsie is about a guy that takes away a job from a woman. Uh, what what. We were talking about. We narrowly what, escaped that one. They narrowly escaped and it because Esmer would approve. <laughs> I think and the Esmer test. And it should approve because they do establish that yeah, it's a job for two women, two for two musicians. They, but they looked everywhere. They, they can't find them. Find anyone? So you so know, at least the movie they like, filled a void. They filled. They ticked. Yeah, and they're also on the run from because they witness a murder and they got to get the heck out of town. There was a need. Yeah, they weren't looking to pull one over anybody except Spats. Yeah, and the initial plan is like get to Miami and take off. Yeah, you know. So in just theory, to get there, someone else can still come in and take their job. They just want to get out of Chicago. Uh, then of course they stick around because uh, Tony Curtis has eyes on Marilyn, 
And, and lips for days. Lips for days. <laughs> Those lips were just begging for some lipstick. Jack Lemon's got the walk. He's got the walk. And Lemon's, yeah, Curtis has got the face. Um, but I actually like the fact that, I mean, it sort of stays true to like buddy comedy and the fact that they, I thought it was me two men fighting over the same girl. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was and they don't really establish why Jack Lemon just suddenly gives up on the idea of trying to be with her too. I think he liked the friendship. Yeah. It's like they established more of a kinship there, and then he very quickly is supportive of his guy kind of taking over the chase. Which yeah. surprised me. Guy code, I guess. I guess. Well, nice to know that there is one. I yeah. actually didn't think, I was worried that there wasn't going to be, and the two of them would just be trying to outdo each other. No, and that's what Vying was... Vying for her affection. So there's something nice about that, even though they're, they're teaming up to, like... Dupe her. Dupe her. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. That's, I mean, this... It's is, endearingly dupeful. It's, it's, okay? well, it's, you know, it's one of those tropes of like these bedroom comedies where the idea, the idea of like the, those, um, what are they called? Like behind the, the, I can't remember the name of it, but that, that idea that it's like someone doesn't know something about someone else and that the, but they'll find out by the end and they'll love them anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's such a trope of this era of storytelling too. I mean, that's also just something that goes back to the age of Shakespeare. Where it's like people are are uh, miscommunicating and thinking somebody's that they're not, and that person allows them to think that. Um, Although at least he, Tony Curtis, loved her enough to let her go, knowing that he would just be another saxophonist pattern in her, you know, in her lineage of like mean spirited yeah. saxophone players. Like he loved her enough to let her go, and unfortunately, what did she say? What does she keep telling? She said, I'm too dumb. I told you I was I'm stupid. St- I told you I was stupid. I, and the one thing is, and not to like, you know, say that it's okay. Men are okay to be terrible, but it's like the movie's constantly telling us men are terrible. Right. You know, it's constantly they're, they're they know oogling, they are they're oogling the women, they're touching their bums, they're looking at them. It's like there's no male except for the blind chaperone. <laughs> Right. Who uh, loses his glasses and can never see. There's no man in this movie that isn't, like, ogling the women in some way. Right. And our two leads kind of start to get a sense of that and don't approve of it. Mm-hmm. But all the other guys in the movie, are none of them are, are supposed to come off as de- oh. or good guys. And half of them are criminals. Half of them are criminals. The the bellhop rapist. <laughs> that guy with that giant bottle. he's the worst. He's the worst. He's actually the worst. See that giant, how big that... Bottle of beef eater is that he brings in the gins. Like, what's he gonna do? Just comatose her? Yeah, a giant, a giant key. So we've got. Um, so he is manipulating her, but he's also playing this game where he's forcing her to seduce him. Interest, which was interesting, right? Yeah. But I think it's also the way of going. Well, she's as opposed to him coming on hot and heavy and just trying to seduce her. At least the movie's dancing this moral line where it's like, well, she's also after him for his money. That's true. And, and she's coming on strong. And he allows her to meet him and halfway. Yeah, where it's like she's got to try to move. kiss him. She's got to make the move. He's not going to make the move. He's going to set her up. So it's almost not to say that he's putting the onus on her, but the movie kind of does do that. It allows her to not make you know, the kindest and best choices either. So it's interesting. That it that it that it does that. Well, she starts off as a gold digger, and he's out to pull a wool over her eyes. And yeah, so they're he, both. They meet halfway. They are both like she's not pretending to be someone she's not, 
which is what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he's created a whole different persona. So it's like you could argue that she hasn't really fallen in love with him at all. She doesn't know who she is. He, the only time she meets him is in the yacht in the last scene. Or when he, after he kisses her anyway and risks it all. But he runs away two seconds later. Like, <laughs> she isn't going to meet him at all. She spends two seconds with him. And buys her off with diamonds. But, you know, they don't really, like, she doesn't know It's actually him. a little bit disappointing that he was just so willing to to leave with nothing but a, I mean, a bit of a goodbye, but it was, you know, he, he leaves her with a parting gift. Yeah. And that's it. And I wanted him to be a little more heartbroken. Oh, him. Yeah, him. Yeah, well, I think... The like, part- it seemed like she was more of... Well, they were each other's conquest initially. Yeah, I think... But the- he doesn't really fall for her in the interim, which is what I was hoping for, a little bit more of that. Yeah. I think he does, though. It's like, I think they try to establish that he's a bit of a woman's man. Mm-hmm. And that this is another... Con- but this is more than just another conquest. Even Jack Lemmon says something like, you should just kick him in the teeth or something. Right. Uh, on the way out. Oh, awesome. And this time he's <laughs> this actually seeing... An, an improvement. A much improvement. You didn't kick her in the teeth this, this time. time. Oh, just watch your oh. foot on that. Oh, yep. Um, and then uh, and then he gives her the... I mean, I think the idea is that he gives her the diamond bracelet so she can at least sell it and, and have some kind of financial stability. Something, yeah. Well, they have that theme, too, the idea of, like, I, lo- I love... I forgot about this, that... You know, the next morning, Jack Lemon is so into it. Like, he's like, That's yeah, I'm engaged. Scene. I'm going to do it. He's like, why would you want to do that? It's like stability. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what every woman's after. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> what every person's after. Jack Lemon is so charming in this movie. The Maracas. I'd yeah. seen that scene before, and it's like, he's smitten. I don't, it's not, yeah, I think he knows what it's like to be taken care of, which is all anybody really wants. Yeah. Like, the only reason that they're even after, you know, in the beginning, they just want a paycheck. Everybody yeah. just wants a paycheck. And Everyone a just wants stability. to feel comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. One of the themes, I guess. But it's interesting. Like the last line of the movie is literally, "It's like I'm a man." Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> That's kind of the theme of the movie. It in, is in actually. terms of like when you think about it. So it's like so it is kind of a, a pretty modern concept. Like the movie's aware that men are are not the greatest of the species, mm-hmm. and but they are who they are. <laughs> But they're not. Nobody's but perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but nobody's perfect. Because the women do things that aren't. Uh, What's the actual millionaire's name again? Milton. O- Oswald. Os- Oswald. Oswald. Yeah. Oswald is the only one who actually falls in love with the real person. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that she's a wo- <laughs> she's a man. Maybe he's still trying to please mommy. Maybe, but at the same time, it's like Jack Lemon is is in drag, but he's not pretending to be a totally different character. The he's way. Still- Himself. He's still kind of himself. It's true. He's still a goof, lovable goofball. Where when Tony Curtis, um, who is gay by the way, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, no, knew that in like real life. Like he was life. closeted at this point. It didn't come out until you know years and decades later. Right. Uh, but it's like he's uh, he's pl- and I don't know why that's relevant. I just thought I'd bring it up in case you didn't know. Um, he's the, the millionaire he's created is not a real person. No, he makes her fall in love with someone other than himself. So it's like, you could argue that uh, the Daphne and Daphne and Jimmy uh, are the same person. You yes. know, they're just, one's in drag and one's not. Right. They're, they're not trying to be someone that they aren't. Right. Outside of, like, hiding their identity so they don't get murdered. Which is why Oswald doesn't care, because he really actually fell in love with the person. Yeah. 
Aww. Aww. I like that. Although he was the scummiest of all of them in the beginning. He was the one. No, he's not the first butt slap. But they're going to adopt. But they're going to adopt. Oh, I love that little, that little visual touch of like the elevator goes up. It stops in the air. It shakes a little bit and comes back down. Like, you know what happened, right? It's such a little cartoony thing the movie does, but I love that kind of stuff. It's cute. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I think it's 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 self-aware enough in ways that they weren't even necessarily aware of at the time. Yeah. That it wasn't... I mean, I didn't cringe. No, it's just... You know, the only time that I did a little bit watching the movie this time was during the scene on the yacht. When he's oh. like, well, that didn't work. Try again. It's like... Yeah. But she... But also... But it's so weird because... You could argue that the whole time he's he's allowing her to walk away. At any point in time, she can walk away and stop mm-hmm. and go, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. You know, Hands he's, he's not coming on to her. He's forcing it's her to come on to him. It's just full on entrapment. But, it's, but she's also complicit. She's, but she's complicit in the entrapment, yes. They're both doing... I also, it seems like he's trying to let her know, I might be gay <laughs> the whole time. It's like, he. I feel like he, maybe Tony Curtis had something to do with creating the... Oh, the, that. Alter, the alter ego. Yeah, it's interesting. They've tried everything. Like it's not just—he's not I'm just dead inside. Yeah, like the one. The, the, the good thing is that he's not playing a leech. He's not being lecherous towards her. No. You know, which is the one saving grace it has. Can you re? Can you reawaken the fire I've lost? The fire I've lost inside yeah. of my my whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I adore it. Because um, you've seen it how many times? I've seen it probably. Oh, I've seen at least three, three, at least three. This is at least the third viewing. I've seen it probably more than that. Yeah, it seemed like a miracle that I actually didn't necessarily know. Exa- I mean, some of it's a bit predictable, but I didn't know where it was going. So I was like, "But that's great, isn't so, it?" I was like, "I'm having moments where I'm like, I feel like I would be sitting here. I would feel. I assumed I would feel like a peanut gallery, kind of like commenting on the thing the whole time if it wasn't commenting on itself. But it was, and then it was so." quaint and cute at times that I just was sucked in by the Yeah, story. for a 60-year-old quasi-sex comedy, it's fairly self-aware. And you, know? you are the expert. Well, yeah. I, I self-aware know, sex comedies. I know the genre. <laughs> uh, but it's also, I mean, I'm just such a big fan of Billy Wilder comedies. And he comes from, like, just like, listen to that dialogue. It just crackles. You know, the way, the way they're using metaphor nonstop. Loving the, like, loving the callbacks. Yeah, like, well, well the callbacks... Our big thing of his, so Billy Wilder... One Two and three times. Multiple. And yeah. what that what that's from is, um, there's, you ever heard uh, this thing called the Lubitsch touch? Remind me. So it's like a term, uh, it's not a super well-known term, it's, it's kind of a nerdy, filmy term. Uh, but there's this filmmaker named Ernst Lubitsch, who was kind of the pioneer. He was one of the first guys that made like comedies and sound, and one of the earlier filmmakers. And he's one of the guys that was really in, inspirational for Billy Wilder. He made like the shop around the corner, which later became You Got Mail, oh. and um, and uh, Heaven Can Wait, and To Be or Not to Be, and uh, Designed by Living. A whole bunch of these these really really older comedies. Uh, and he kind of created this thing that was kind of like the running gag, and it was called the Lubitsch Touch. And it was the mm-hmm. idea that a joke got presented early. And the more it got recalled, the more it grew. Yeah, and the payoff grows each time. Yeah, and but it also, but it was also the idea of just callbacks in general. With one of his big things that he got became known for, it's called known as the Lubitsch touch. So even little things like establishing those those bullet holes in the um, in the in the bass guitar mm-hmm. earlier on, later on, 
they they pull the bass up and they zip it down. Now they know it's the guys. Mm-hmm. Like little callbacks like that are, are kind of the loop. Not right. Not even for comedic purposes. Not even yeah. Just no, for plot points uh, and for yeah. So I mean, often it was done for like usually it's like the lupus touch was definitely something that at the very end would be a little. Uh-huh. I told you it wasn't very bright. Like little, they take something that was done earlier in the movie and yeah. flip it on its head and it would become a new thing. But it would be a callback, and so. It's it's sometimes that sometimes it's a it's usually sometimes it's a plot device sometimes it's just a clever line right but it it, it is the idea of callbacks mm. and fun and it's kind of a real um it's and now it's just kind of part of comedy writing this yeah. idea of like doing callbacks and doing like and letting jokes build upon each other and that's the way I like jokes like I don't really I've always said I don't know how to write jokes Chris Rock actually built his 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 minutes on stage for like three and four and five callbacks like. I forget who he yeah, was helping come up with a, with a strong five minutes. And he's like, you don't have any callbacks. You yeah, and that's build just, upon each one. And that's the evolution of stand-up comedy that kind of comes from this as well. The idea that it's like, it's not just a series of jokes. Mm-mm. It's the idea that it's like you're telling a story. Yeah. And there's all these little mini stories and jokes inside of that story. And there's a, there's a thread to it. And the best comedians, I think, are, are... There's no reason... There's no surprise that the reason why some of the best, you know storytellers are comedians and they are the starters comedians right mm-hmm. uh and writers because they do there is some kind of structure they understand the nuance of that and that you've got to take the audience on a journey even if it's just you and a microphone mm-hmm. yeah i did not know that what else what, what, what other kind of stuff were you that you were, that you were surprised about so you you go into this you don't know what it's about at all Oh, I, I only knew that there was some like gender reversals, but for what purpose, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, I thought it was to steal somebody's job to get the, but I was like, but how does that work? How does it help you get the girl if you're, you know, I figured, I figured the ultimate purpose was to get the girl wasn't to, you know, avoid your own murder. Like, so I feel like that it kind of gets away with a lot more Yeah. because there's no, the motives are, the ulterior motives are somewhat noble. You know, it's just survival as opposed to some underhanded agenda. Like there, there's enough, there's enough justification for it. Yeah. That it, it, you know, it gets away with a lot more than I thought it would. Um, and I'm also, it, there, there's a certain sadness to watching Marilyn only because of the perspective that we have now. Yeah. No, and knowing so much about her privately and what she went through, but. I'd seen clips, I think, from the Misfits where it's like she couldn't hide the the issues she was having or, you know, the addictions. She just was a lot messier. Whereas in this, it sort of seemed like maybe this was right before I think this things is her, took a real this is like turn the last, for the worst. I think this is it. Like, this is her big swan song. And she's also, like, I think, like her character in this movie. She's aware of, like, you know, I'm not that good a singer, but she's good enough. Yeah. And she was always thought of as not that great an actress, but she was good enough. And, and when this... I think she's one of she was limited, but it's like give her give her the octave she can play, yeah. and she'll play the fuck out of it. Yeah, she will. She's great in this, and I think it's that era too, where it's like she's got enough on her belt, where they're like, well, Marilyn will do the movie, but she has she has to do, and whether it's not like her people are are pushing this or the or the people that their studio is pushing it, they're like she has to do three musical numbers, right? Or she has to do this many things, and it's just you think like, that was a studio thing as opposed to something in her contract? Who knows? I think, yeah, I don't know which side would have pushed it. Whether it was like she wanted to do them, or whether or not it's like, well, no, if someone's going to see a Marilyn picture, they, they expect this many musical Marilyn numbers. Because it was the music I was familiar with. 
and they, movie. Yeah, and those are those are standards too. I don't know if any of those are written for this movie or if she they're made just them famous. Yeah, she made them famous. Yeah, like, I'm through. I'm through with love. Song is one of my old favorites, and I don't know if it, this was like the original use of that. That's what I'm wondering. These were these were all standards that she sings, or they were originals for the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But Regardless, she made them famous. Yeah, I like mean, it's her versions of they're the being band. done under the guise of like they're a band doing show tunes, and so. It works if they're standards. And Either that or she's really quick at writing original songs when she comes back yeah, no heartbroken. Shit. Yeah, like, and damn, to, girl and just wrote an original. And they're about to kick her out for having drank. It's like, she, it seems like she's the headliner. I don't know if you can just kick her out. Right. Which is why she knows what she can get away with. Yeah. Always packing something. But yeah, so sad. A lot of it, a lot of the elements of her character seem kind of autobiographical, which only makes it sort of ring true because she, I think she was aware of her limitations um but she works them to the best of her abilities enough that i just am still some like somewhat mesmerized like i understand the allure like she has something that is so uniquely her own that it's 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 beyond her acting abilities or her singing abilities i mean she really is this like this permeates this beautiful sadness and that's what that's what translates more than just you know um, like that, that's what people want is that piece of Maryland that I think is in a lot of her films now I need to see a few more of them and now I've seen two yeah um, there's still a bunch I haven't seen I haven't seen Niagara I don't think um, I've seen all the ones she did with Billy Wilder like Seven Year Itch mm-hmm. is another great I saw one it so long ago though I'd forgotten yeah but um, no she's She's great. She was the superstar she was for a reason. And that's why, yeah, I mean, part of it is like the tragedy, I think, made her a legend, you know? It makes them all, all the ones that died young and where, what could they have been? But it's like, there was also something extra about her that really just, like, you, you felt like there was a piece of her in there. Yeah. You know? And that, and that she wasn't just some blonde. And at this point, I'm sure he's writing for her. You know, not just for like, you know, the abilities, you know, she has, but also seemingly writing for if, how many movies they've done at this point. They didn't leave. Well, they did something like, they did Seven Year Itch. Um, Trending Wales, they did together off the top of my head. I can't remember which ones are hers and which ones, um, Gentlemen Before Blondes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they did a couple, mm-hmm. you know, but also he'd worked with Jack Lemmon a ton too by this point. Right. right. So it's like. A male a- and female muse. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like Jack Lemmon, one of his staples. I, but the, this was the first time... Jack I, Lemmon was like your Anna Sesmer. Yeah. And then... <laughs> and what women have you worked with multiple times? Oh, who are the Tommy? Tommy. Tommy. Perry, yeah, Tommy's probably own, the most. Little Christ, Marilyn. Christine. Yeah, I've got my own Christine little. Horn. But it's fun. It's like, I, I always love that. It's like, to, I'm sure... And you, how about you? Have you collaborated with the same people multiple times? No, I don't think anyone likes me enough to work with That's true. That's why I haven't had you back. I know. Not, and it no. Was like, and it was like, cameo, and he still hasn't had me back. No, we will. I um, promise. No, I'm kidding. But, no, I think that's nice. Like, you know, sometimes... I don't know why I'm sometimes annoyed when... Well, like, I think Leonardo DiCaprio, with a bit of a segue here. You know, he's, sure. he's a competent actor, but I've never been a fan. Like, I'm not a fan of him necessarily but also annoyed by the um just how um 
oh god, why do I blank every time on his name? Scorsese. Scorsese. I, I don't have the, like I don't. I'm not as in love with DiCaprio as Scorsese is, but I also envy that relationship where he's just constantly looking for like new ways to collaborate. Yeah, when Scorsese goes through his muses, so it's like for the longest time it was De Niro. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they and they were together. Right. For the longest time. And then and then it was almost like there was no one... I don't know if there was anyone else between... It was like... I would say definitely between... It's De Niro and... And, uh, and DiCaprio. And DiCaprio. So you gotta have a D. So your name's just... Yeah. Start with, gotta with be with Italian. Um, because it's just like he seems to... When you find someone that he gels with, you know, they, they you just make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they did... I mean, how many movies did DiCaprio and him do together? Five, at least? And yet it took him working with... Inaritu to finally to finally win that Oscar. He's yeah. like, oh, if I'd have known that, I would have broken away from Scorsese long ago. Long just ago. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's interesting when you know when two artists have that kind of a relationship. But I think it's also Scorsese wasn't interested in, in having DiCaprio just be the pretty boy. No, he kept challenging him. No, and no one was really casting him as an adult at that point. That's you true. know, it's like he was. Pl- I think the closest is Gangs in New York, which I think was the first time they were together ever, where he's like aging into his role, mm-hmm. but it's still not. He's playing the drifter. He's not necessarily playing the, you know, the the heartthrob. Right. So there's also that. I think that was something that was nice for DiCaprio to go. Oh, you like me as an actor, mm-hmm. not as someone that's gonna sell your poster. Right. You know, I mean, he does that too, obviously. But there's something, but in terms of the character, they and, inspired each other. Obviously, yeah. or inspired something in in their creative pursuits, and that I find kind of enviable. Yeah, and it's tricky though too because the other trope is that it's like the end are just casting the same people, which I try not to do just for the sake of casting the same people because it's easy. Right. But you got to make but, sure. But you got to make sure that fit. someone's funny and you have a great working relationship. Then yeah. of course you want to work together. Well, also it's like I think for me it's like when I read something and someone pops into my head. And sometimes it's not even someone I've worked with, but someone that I know of. Sometimes that happens. But it's also, it's just like sometimes you, you start reading something, you're like, oh, this person would do really, really well with but that. But even when you're writing something, though, I'm sure you can't help but envision people that, I mean, are you often envisioning characters that you, you know, are not modeled after someone that you know? You kind of inherently find yourself imbuing a character with a voice of someone that you may have worked with before. Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably argue that there's only, like, so many character tropes, and so if you know enough actors, (laughs) one of them will fall into those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonas. Or or be able to do that, you know what I mean? So you're like, oh, it's the neurotic, uh, it's the neurotic guy. It's like, well, is he, is he, like, is is it Jonas or, which kind of neurotic is it? Ennis or Jonas? Right. Which which flavor of neurotic (laughs) is that? Yeah, yeah. Or is it the cocky version where Mark O'Brien would kill it? Right. You know? Because uh, it kills everything. That's just it. It's like so. It's like you can always. I think you could fall back on that too. But then you try to. I mean, I also like get excited about working with new people, as well. And you got to. You have to expand your. Because not everyone's available all the time either. That's true. Well, isn't that actually how sometimes these oh, things happen? Oh, sometimes how these things happen. That's yeah. true. We don't have to necessarily name names, but sometimes somebody gets busy and then no, but then that's also- or somebody has a baby. Oh, I wasn't. I'm actually thinking of that. I was thinking that it's funny. I was thinking of well, we can say else. it. It's like, you here's the thing I will say so. Natalie was in my film How to Plan an Origin in a Small Town, uh, and I, I think you auditioned for me years earlier, and I'd yeah. known who you were, and, and I thought I you were always you great. Were. I actually did a table reading of young people effing, but that, that's not that, me. If that wasn't you, you no, were, oh, that's Aaron, that's Martin Garrow, and that's right, okay, right? right. I, okay. We, we, we but danced in the, the same circles. Aren't you in the thank you? I just got thanked. For that? No, I'm not. I was not part of that you circle mentor yet. That any, okay. No, no part of that circle. No. That was before my time. Okay. They predate me. Um, 
but uh, so you were always on my radar anyway. And then so the the pregnant woman who Natalie plays in How to Plan an Orgy was originally supposed to be Zoe, who was actually who was actually very pregnant, pregnant, and then very went, very very, and then pregnant. went into labor like a week or two before we actually shot, oh, and so really? it was suddenly was not going to be able to do the movie, obviously, right. Because you were going to have a real... Yeah, it was going to be a real thing. Because also, it's like, you know, we don't have money for that belly and that kind of stuff. But then we got really lucky in that you were available. I came with my own prosthetics. Yeah. No, we got that. Zoe arranged for that. She got it from the Lost Girl producers. Oh, that's right. She knew they had one from something they'd done on Lost Girl that season. And so she called them up. And it was just like, you know, this prosthetic that was tens of thousands of dollars. The only unfortunate thing is... I, not knowing I was going to be cast in this, just came back from, like, a holiday in Jamaica. Hilarious. <laughs> and you I were was so tanned. so tanned. That's okay. And you were so excited that you had this, like, $10,000 prosthetic belly, but the skin color... Didn't match. <laughs> didn't match. It didn't matter. So I ended up completely covered anyway. But the shape looks real. It, the shape looks very real. Yeah. The, and it's it very thin cotton. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, yeah. That, okay. I, I, well, I don't even think we were ever thinking we'd show it. Oh, I thought you were thinking you could have if Zoe was willing... No, I didn't even know what it looked like. I mean, if Zoe, yeah, that might that might have been different. That might change things. And With an so, actual belly, yeah. Yeah, but I think the way we play it, it's like you never think about it, and yeah. the belly looks pretty, pretty convincing. It was and real. actually quite, you know, and just like a real pregnant woman, I may or may not have relieved myself a little bit. On, on Ennis? On That's just standard when you're working oh with Ennis. Oh my god, everyone squeezed just a little bit. But you came in and just, like, I, I was so happy that you were available and you were interested because I think you just came in and killed that. Well, you kind of have to go, like, literally. Yeah, you did. All or nothing. You went all or nothing. With abandon. It was great. One day in, out. Yeah, it was like a wham, bam, and then an extra couple bam, bam, bams. I'll tell you this. So, so if you haven't seen How to Plan an Origin in a Small Town, shame on you. It's amazing. Uh, it's available everywhere. But also, I'll tell you, like, that's... One of those scenes that gets like a, a standing ovation in audiences. Oh, really? Not a standing ovation, but it's like a standing O. It's just that the end of that scene is just this. And I had to when I was in test screenings, I realized I had to leave like a decent pause, starting the next scene because people would just would have a good thirty second laugh, just dissipating out of that scene. And every, I will say, what's interesting about when you go to watch these movies and festivals and other screenings is that you really get a sense of how different moments play in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and it's really fascinating. That scene, every single time, played exactly the same. Transcends genres. Transcended <laughs> uh, rules, city, country. That scene always had the exact same reaction. Wow. Which was always such a, a fun thing to watch in the... It's the one time you feel like a rock star as a filmmaker watching a scene like that play oh, man. in a packed house. I need just... to see this in front of other audiences. I think I saw it I saw it in the theater with you, and then I saw it. My brother was watching, and he had no idea I was in it. Oh, amazing. And he was like, if you're going to be in sex comedies, you need to warn me. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but he loved it until that point. Have you ever watched anything like that that you've been in with like, your parents? Yeah. How's that go? Oh, never will. I mean, it's funny because my boyfriend of many years is completely not jealous and you know he's had to he's had he's been present on set during some love scenes and he's like if you're gonna do it do it right like he's not yeah he's a very secure man which is why we've been together for so long but and you can but, separate but parents like fathers and brothers on the other hand not so much not so much yeah it's a little it's a little uncomfortable that's interesting yeah just huh. like lines like just i think it's because it's harder for maybe a family member to even want to see you that way or, yeah see me that way 
Uh-huh. I just did an interview, actually. My, my cousin's son was like doing a project for job fair and was curious and interviewing people about their vocations. <laughs> and he had just seen something that I did a couple weeks ago that involved a little bit of a love scene. And that was his first question. How do you feel when you have to kiss somebody in a scene and then you have to watch it with your family? <laughs> That's a good question. Because like I watch... The, avoid you know, it. Yeah, you avoid it, I yeah, bet. Try to avoid it. Because I don't, like, I'm behind the camera, so it's like, they it, it's not the same. I don't get uncomfortable because I don't care when my family watches stuff, but it's like, and I got over it a while ago with my, I remember the first time I went to show my mother-in-law something I'd done, I'm going, I don't know how they're going right. to, this is going to play. But you don't care enough, you're just curious. No, it's not that I don't care, but it's, it's just, now it's like, but it's also, it's like, she just kind of gets me. And she doesn't necessarily approve of everything I do, my, right. my my wonderful mother-in-law. But she's like, well, that's what he does. And he's been successful with it. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, it's open. And she still wants to go see everything I do. Aww. And it's just it's so... She's proud. Yeah. She's like, some people like this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was terrified for my... The only movie I was actually really worried to show my... Uh, like, my wife's older relatives was The Go-Getters. Because I'm like... Oh. But I warned them profusely. I said, this movie is not for you guys at all. Right. I bet you they loved it. Yeah, they liked it. And, well, I just go in expecting that. And then I'm usually surprised by what it. What aspect of it? Well, like, they like the heart. They like the characters have yeah. heart. And they're like... They probably they're... like Tommy's chutzpah. Yeah, that's just it. Chutzpah. <laughs> so I think that that's part of it. I think as long as you're, you know, your characters can do unlikable things as long as you kind of emotionally get connected to them. Those which, two could get away with everything and they did. Yeah. But that, so that's, let's bring that back to some like it hot. So it's, I oh. think, I think you have that too. It's like you're having, you're having Tony Curtis, you know, making choices that are kind of unlikable mm-hmm. and that he's duping Marilyn Monroe, but he's charming enough to get away with it. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, and and I think and you, she's a like you know she's a gold digger. She's a gold digger. So and she's think, not really interested in his. And I feel like you're watching this going. I want you to change. And I'm right. hoping this will cause you to change. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a redemption story, but they're likable enough to sort of transcend the things that other people might not. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't want them to get away with it, but you might enjoy watching it less or be a little a lot less forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I don't hate her for being a gold digger any, any more or any less than I hate him for being a, you know, a man- manipulative mother effer. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that one yacht scene that kind of made me go, how is this playing? But it was also, but you were also sitting there going, what is his game? What is, I, I actually was, was befuddled. I was like, I don't quite understand this tactic. But again, but that, and that's what I think makes it interesting. Cause it's like, you're sitting there going, what is going on here? It's not just him. Like, it's not just him wanting it to be her choice. Yeah. He's, he's making her work for it and do something. So it's like, that was the most uncomfortable thing too, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, cause it's still manipulation. It's just not that it's manipulation. It's, you know... Coercion. For me... Yeah. It's that um, a classic flaw in a lot of 
young women's 20s as they want to fix someone. It's like, oh, so no other woman has loved you like I can. Or you're so broken, let me fix you. That's the aspect of it that's really hard because the, the more broken he makes himself appear to her, to her the more it drives her. So, so this may be the woman to change the way he sees. You know what I mean? Like, Who did you try to fix, Natalie? Oh, Is that God. why this made you uncomfortable? The list. <laughs> the list. I remember having a fridge magnet that said, Little Miss Hope dates Mr. Potential. You know, it was like every girl was so hopeful that she would be the one to change him, change his mind and turn it around. And it wasn't that he was a bad boy, that he, that he was, you know... Yeah. Lost and hopeless, but you want to be the one that can spark the change. But to be fair then to the movie, this is a 60-year-old movie, and this mm-hmm. is something that you yourself went through like a decade ago. But that, I don't even know if that's what they were trying to do, but I recognize that. I think so. As, you know, that... He's clearly, he knows that he's setting, he's making her work for it in a way that's challenging her, that's going to make her interested. Yeah. And invested. So I, I think mean, the doopy part is where he, you know, kind of is tricking her into having to kiss him multiple times before he finally gives in. That's the manipulative part, but it's the fact that he's playing on her innate desire to want to be the one that can change him that makes me uncomfortable because of my own past experiences. Aww. Yeah. So I think for a variety of reasons, that scene is the trickiest one, or perhaps the most uncomfortable. But, but that, but it's interesting that it's uncomfortable because for you it comes from a place of honesty. Overshare. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's okay. But I think that's what makes it interesting that it's not like it's it, that's a real thing. But the question is, is, is you know Billy Wilder aware enough of the fact that that's what he was going for? Because I, it I seemed think to be. So. I don't know. What do you What do you think he was going for? I don't think he was really trying to make it be her decision you know I don't think because you can say there's one way to like one of the ways to excuse it is to make sure that he was whatever was going to happen was based on her choices her choices I don't think that was what they were going for it just seems to um you know kind of saves it from being able to accuse the scene of doing that yeah I guess he is like he's creating the illusion that she's in control but he's coordinating, he's colluding the whole time and, and steering her mm-hmm. towards it. Even <laughs> though it's like, technically she could just stop at any point and going, yeah, it's not working, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he's also hooked her with the idea that it's like, I'm a millionaire, make me feel something and you get my money. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, why would she stop? Right. But that's also her flaw too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that... And then, but she she runs off with him at the end because she hasn't learned her lesson either. Because nobody's I perfect. I told you I was a stupid girl. Nobody's, like, nobody's per- perfect. Not because you're nobody's stupid, because nobody's perfect. perfect. Oh, Oswald. All their stuff isn't fixed. No, he's almost redeemed a little bit. Oswald? A little bit. <laughs> well, the, I mean, just the fact that he's like, he's willing to go with it, even though it's a dude. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. We'll adopt. Yeah. And uh, you're a really good dancer. And you're a good dancer, and you're a fun time. <laughs> you're fun times. He's smitten. I would, I would love to That's see, love. like, I'd love to see the follow-up to this where it's like, Why they're just... They make the sequel. Oh, well, she died. Well, no. There's that. Yeah. Or make the, se- make the next part of the some story. Some like it hotter. Some like Pick it hotter. Pick up or some like it hot. Oh, man. They'd out. have to, like, do a... Well, you'd, I mean, if you're remaking this movie... Let's talk about that. I haven't done this... I haven't done that... This There used to be this, like, kind of thing, and we do it quite often on the podcast, but it's like... What happens to remake a modern version of this movie? Right. 
So what do you have to do? Well, and and that's, you know, talking to the point where it's like we have seen this plot quite a few times. Uh, but talking about like specifically remaking this movie, I mean, my I was actually thinking about that a little bit while we were watching it. And I was like, I think you do a gender swap. Yeah. I think I do a gender swap. You do a gender swap, which is kind of the easiest way to do it now. It's just a little bit trickier, maybe, to pull the wool over people's eyes, I mean, because there's so many things you can do, turning a you know a man into a woman with all the accoutrements. I mean, in the case of like, oh, the earrings alone, we're going to give it away. Yeah, my thought was this though: was how to do it right. You keep the mob aspect, mm-hmm. and so what you do is the women, as opposed to joining a band mm-hmm. and posing as men, they join the mob. So they mm. join the outfit that's looking for them, Ooh. and they don't know that they're part of that. They're right underneath their noses the whole time. And do you keep it period specific, or do you try to get away with this now? You need the hats and the suits. Oh, I think you keep it period period specific because then you can keep kind of the. the I think you want to keep it in the genre of like a screwball comedy, right? Because that's what's fun. Because otherwise, it becomes something else. Yeah. But I was I was thinking like that's how I would I would spin it is like. I swap the genres and have them become gangsters in the organization that's looking for them. That's great. Huh? Put them on the inside. Done. Done. Made. 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 No one steal that idea. Call it made. This is proof that I had that idea first. Made. Uh, There's already a movie called Made by John John Favreau. That's all right. But now it's like 20 or 30 years old, so I think we... We're remaking the... We can get away with it. Maybe. Made hotter. Made hotter. Made women. <laughs> made, made women. Made, yeah. Some like it hotter. Some like it hotter. Some like it mildly warm. Just downplay Speaking it. Speaking of mildly warm. Yeah? It's, it's hot up it's in getting, here. It's a warm day. I need some more refreshments. So any, uh, any final thoughts? Other than the fact that apples and peanut butter are the jam. You haven't had apples and peanut butter before? Not in a long time. I, you know, peanut butter and banana was my jam. But peanut butter and banana is apples great. Apples and peanut butter. I like to put... I like to get like a nice romaine leaf and I spread like a nut butter on it and then yeah. slices of banana. Oh. That's, that's a nice little sandwich thing. It's like the Carl's Jr. gluten-free peanut butter and banana. Sure, it's the paleo. Sammy, the paleo sandwich. I like, people make fun of me for it, but there's a, there's a crisp to the lettuce that's really nice. Yeah. And I, th- could- I just find bread so blah and f- it's just filler. But non E. coli romaine can be so good. Like when it's non E. coli mar- yeah. yeah. Don't like, get the E. coli when it, when coli it, kind. When it's good, it's great. Although these paleo snacks, I think, we didn't need them. The best paleo snack was the apples and peanut butter. Your banana bread was delightful. Not bad, right? Really good. It's yeah. got a moistness to it. It's very yeah, it's the it's the it's the almond hazelnut. Coconut oil. Real nice blend. Yeah. I'm going to need that recipe. Made with love and a hangover. <laughs> yeah. And then I, w- I would just take the eggs out so my wife could eat it. Yeah. That's easy to that. do. You, 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 here's, a, here's a trick to like eggs. You either... Uh, flax egg. You could do a flax egg. Right. Which is just basically flaxseed and water. Yeah. Or applesauce for baking often works. Right. You can swap it, out... It depends if you need it for binding or if you need it for moisture. Moisture. In this or case. Or a little bit of both. Applesauce or applesauce often works in baking, but a flax egg works well too. Super and, easy to swap eggs out. Eggs is like the easiest, like swap out thing to, to change. Unless it's meringue. Or yeah, like, then it's or, different. Right. Then you just don't make that thing. Um, and oat flour, you can swap out oat flour. Oat flour in is equal great. parts for almond or regular yeah. flour, and you'll never taste the difference. Yeah, the stuff you're learning from <laughs> our, our snack tray that we made ourselves. 
It makes you a smarter movie watcher, doesn't it? Does. it? it does. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, like yeah. they're you know gluten and alcohol aren't in the way. It's, it's amazing true. how much more I absorb, and I might actually remember this movie. Hilarious. It was memorable. All right. Any final thoughts? Oh my! Um, my first time filling a black hole in Jeremy's black hole podcast. We'll have you back. It was how many years in the making? It's taken a while. So many holes. Yeah. We'll make it happen again. We'll come back. We'll try to do the cuckoo's nest for sure. Uh, basically all of them. Oh, let's do that before Ratchet comes out. Yeah, we got so many to let's do. Let's make it timely. Well, thanks for coming over. Thank you for having me. Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for Some Like It Hot. Black Hole Films is a proud lobby. member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy. You go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.